Iowa everywhere. Remember when media wanted you to revolve around their schedule? It told you where, how, when. Well, something happened along the way. We changed. Words like on-demand, streaming, and interactive all became part of the new media landscape. Today's media isn't about us. It's about you. When you want it, how you want it, where you want it. So we figured it was time to carve out our own space. A space to connect with you. Giving you the shows and content you want from the hosts you love and love to hate. Laughs? Sure. Insight? Of course. Breaking news when it happens and going along on the stories that matter. Giving you something new. This is media for the new world. Your world. A platform for an ever-busy, ever-mobile, ever-evolving audience like you. This is about something new. Something you've always wanted. Something Iowa has needed. And now it has. This is Iowa Everywhere. It's Wednesday morning here on the Iowa Everywhere Network. I'm Jared Stansbury alongside my co-host here, Jordan Bohannon. This is J-Bo and Jared, episode one. Jordan, what's going on, man? This is it's a uh, it's different for you and me and uh, than it is from Chris Hassel and Chris Williams or John Miller and Chris Williams. Those guys know each other. You and I are just uh, starting to get to know each other. But I'm looking forward to this, man. This should be a lot of fun. Yeah, it's been a pleasure getting to know you these couple last couple of months. I think this is going to be a really exciting you know time, not only for us two, but the whole Iowa Everywhere Network. You know, Chris is doing something great here, and I'm excited to tag along. And I think you know us two are going to have quite the fun time. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be interesting, I think, here, uh, especially for us to interact with the audience and things like that over the next several months. Uh, Jordan, I don't know if you know this, but Iowa State people don't like you very much. <laughs> Jared, I'm well aware. <laughs> I, I was reading the comments as the tweets were going out. It's it's. I, th- I think this will kind of hopefully smooth it over a little yeah. bit. You know, well, that's, I was on our uh, on our forums and I was trying to tell people, I was like, man, you would be shocked uh, to learn that. Uh, what someone does on a basketball court maybe isn't a true reflection of who they are as a human being. Who would have ever thought, you know? I know we were, we've been talking about that as we've been getting to know each other, you know, the rivalry is just the rivalry. Like I did what I could to, I, hopefully I moved the needle with it. You know, me and George Niang are actually surprisingly good friends. A lot of people don't know that behind the scenes, but we talk about that all the time. And I've talked about, about that to you as well. I think when you have that moment to do something, you know, whether you want to poke fun at other fan bases or just have a fun rivalry, I, I think I hopefully did that. And I hopefully athletes in the future kind of do the same way. Yeah, I think you you most certainly left your mark on the rivalry. But the one thing that I do think that we should talk a little bit about is what this podcast is going to be. And I think the thing that I felt really comfortable about with after you and I had talked a couple of times is that I knew we both didn't want it to be Iowa State versus Iowa fighting with each other all the time, always arguing about the rivalry and things like that. Like, I don't if if we talk about Iowa State and Iowa, it'll be very infrequent, I think. Like, I don't anticipate us ever talking about that too much. And it just I don't know. I don't want to do a show where we come on here like like Shannon Sharp and Skip Bayless and start yelling at each other from an Iowa and Iowa State perspective, because one, I don't think that's entertaining. And two, that does not sound like very much fun to to create on a weekly basis. No, and I think both of us have a lot of knowledge in not only basketball, but just in sports in general and life in general, both, you know, being a, a part of Iowa so heavily these through these last few years. And I think we can talk about a lot of important topics and continue to, you know, hopefully have a relationship with our, you know, great fan base. So hopefully we're going to build with this podcast and Iowa everywhere um, as a whole. All right. So the first thing that we are going to talk about is something that, you know, is obviously pretty closely impactful to both of us, me with what I do for, for Cyclone Fanatic and working around college athletics, and then you as being a former student athlete, I, I'm interested in your perspective on this stuff, uh, is, is conference realignment and, um, and media rights. Because I think a lot of times we talk about what the media rights mean to people in the boardrooms, what it means for what they can pay coaches' salaries and all that kind of stuff. I don't think we ever get the perspective of student athletes on what they think of conference realignment or what they think of when the Big Ten signs a $1.5 billion television deal. So let me ask you first, what, uh, 
as a former student athlete, someone who was obviously very opinionated about name, image, and likeness and stuff like that, when you see things like that, what what's the first thing that goes through your mind? You know, I just see, you just see the dollar amount and it, it kind of blows you off the paper real quick when you, when you look at it, you know, you think about college athletics. Yeah. Yes. It's big. It's not like professional sports though. Pro- pro- professional sports are a beast within its own. Um, and I think the last decade has just been explosion on media rights. You know, social media has been a huge part. I feel like sports has gotten a lot more popular um, but being a part of a you know power five team with Iowa and playing against other power five teams, you kind of realize how much of a business it is behind the scenes. You know, you're flying on, you know, charter planes on weekday nights and you're, you know, you have all this, you know, wonderful food that you get to eat. You know, we're all so grateful for it. And you start realizing that, you know, there's a lot of money to be had that our people around are making a lot of money. We're giving a lot, but there's a lot going out to other people. And I think that's what's starting to become into fruition for a lot of people that are understanding the business behind the scenes, that it's really important that, you know, not only our athletes' rights are kind of taken first, because I think the next step is going to be athlete are going to get some some sort of salary. It's, it's, it's inevitable by the amount of money that's being made. It's only, you know, it's whether it's going to be a Supreme Court that, you know, decides to have an ultimate decision or Congress, you know, forms a law, NCAA finally decides to go like they did with the blanket waiver with, um, NIL, there's something that's bound to happen, but I, I think it's, it's, it's pound, they're pounding on the door right now with revenue sharing. And I think it's coming. Yeah. I was just going to say the revenue sharing, Kevin Warren had talked about that during an interview uh, sometime last week where he thought that that was an inevitability. I'm interested to see how that changes um, the structure of what it means to be a student athlete though. When you do something like that, like, do they make you pay for your own school if they're going to pay you to play football or play basketball there. You know, those are the things that I just don't know. Cause I, I feel like if they start to pay you a salary at that point, like you just, you have to wonder like, does the school have enough to do that and be given out scholarships and all of those kinds of things and the food and all that stuff that you mentioned. So it's, I, I'm just interested to see what the continuing discussion is there, because I think there's a lot of questions that could be asked that could probably go both ways that both sides, the student athlete side and the, the administration side probably don't really want it to go down. Oh, for sure. And I think that's the most important thing that, you know, you'd look at the model right now and it's not, it's far from perfect. It, the model beforehand was, you know, brutally terrible. How it was impacting athletes, you know, coaches are getting exponentially richer and athletes stay the same with obviously their tuition, which is a lot, but it's nothing what the coaches are getting. And, and I mean, it is a job. You look at the hours you put in, you look at the, you know, you you look at everything that you do behind the scenes. It's you're so meticulous on your craft and wanting to be great at your, your sport. Um, and you got to deal with social media. Social media is another beast out there alone. That's, you know, a lot of, a lot of athletes are going through a lot of tough times mentally. And that's another subject down the road. But um, I think there's just too much at hand for athletes to be given what they are given. I think that you kind of touched nail on the head that, if, if there is a salary that's going to be paid to these athletes, maybe, you know, schooling isn't education isn't even something that athletes even do anymore because it's a minor leagues and more money is being brought in. So it, it's going to be very, very weird these next couple of years, I feel like. And NIL is already making it weird. I mean, mm-hmm. there's Caitlin Clark's making a million dollars from what it sounds like with Hy-Vee and all of her sponsorships that she's had just as a sophomore, junior in college. So um, it's an exciting time for athletes, but I think, I think it's only going to grow the sport, in my opinion. I don't think it's going to impact, you know, fans wanting to watch the sport. After you obviously had been pretty opinionated about and been really at the forefront of pushing for uh, name, image, and likeness and things like that, especially in the state of Iowa uh, going into your senior year, what now almost a year out from there or over a year out from that, I guess, what, what do you think you learned from that entire process? What's the biggest thing that you took away from it? I just think how much of a business it is. It's, I mean, that's vague, but it's true. You know, I, I think me, Geo Baker and Isaiah livers, when we kind of fought for NIL that I, I believe we were one of the first student at, at college athletes to meet with uh, the NCAA president. And um, it obviously it was off the books. It was private and he was very respectful, but I just think talking with these people and, you know, I, I talked to, I talked with people I thought I never would talk to. I, you know, I, I had meetings with Senator Booker, with um, Senator Blumenthal, like these very respective government officials that, I mean, I'm, I'm in the Zoom call, dude, and I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing here right now. I'm looking yeah. across the screen. I'm talking to a senator. Like, this is crazy. But I think I learned a lot in the process of not only 
you know, the, the sport, but also myself or what I, you know, hopefully can continue to learn through the future and hopefully can make an impact in the future as well. What was the biggest difficulty of that process? Like, was there anything about it that you'd step back and you're like, holy shit, man, like I bit off more than I could chew here a little bit? Yeah, I think social media, it was tough, man. There's, I mean, you know how it is being active on social media. There's a lot of people out there that just disagree with you, no matter if you're right or wrong. It's more of a, if they like you or not. And I think that was the toughest thing of, you know, I feel like not only did I lose some fans from, you know, maybe from other teams, but Iowa actually, I feel like there's some Iowa fans that, you know, kind of part different ways with me as well because I started speaking out. And that was really tough because of everything I kind of give into the state and um, tried to play, you know, the right way for so many years. And it was tough, but I knew what I was fighting for was kind of the greater good. And um, I, I feel like I helped hopefully a couple of college athletes down the road and continue to talk to a lot currently but you know that that, that's that's always really tough when you lose some fans and you try to speak your heart and they just don't want to listen to you i feel like it's probably especially frustrating because i can imagine that everybody that you're playing with everybody you're playing against all those guys are on your side you know every student athlete i'm sure you would come across was was right there with you so to see then your fans be the ones that turn on you like i imagine that that was difficult to work through I, yeah. I don't envy you on that yeah it was it was, it was frustrating and you know there, there was also a lot of fans that you know were by my side and they they spoke up with me and stood by my side and you know they're with the internet trolls fighting back but you know it, it's it's always tough when you lose your own fan base and you want to you did so much but most of them know, were probably bots anyway it's just that is true. russian bots they were hacked yeah, there, yeah there's something weird going on with that but there's definitely a couple that you know, spoke their mind. And, you know, I was, I was always respectful. Someone, you know, came at me respectfully on social media. I'm always going to be respectful back, but um, there's always those few people that you guys know that, you know, as you know, as well, Jared, that there's people that just don't want to, you know, have a respectful yeah. conversation and that's tough. No, no. Uh, the, the thing that I think makes you a little bit different than some of the athletes that are out there with name, image and likeness, as you've seen with the transfer portal, I felt like you were able to do a really good job of, of harnessing your brand obviously being from the state like i think that that probably certainly um, played into it as well what do you like when you're someone who went through that process and you were in the way that your value worked is is playing at iowa being from iowa like that certainly boosted you to see these guys that jump around and do these things that are looking for those things like what what's your reaction in that standpoint where it's like man that just in my mind, that doesn't feel like that's how, how it should be as far as building a brand. But that's just my personal opinion, I suppose. Yeah, because I, I, I was curious on what you're saying, what, what you're going to think of this, too, because, you know, you being an Iowa State fan, there's, you know, Iowa State's heavily in the transfer portal. And that's mm -hmm. what's been their bread and butter so many years. You know, Fred Hoiberg did a great job with that. And I feel like, you know, TJ's doing the same thing once he got here and trying to get all the great guys that are in the transfer portal so i it's definitely a slippery slope i feel like you can have there's a lot of positives to it um because you know the, the waivers with nca can be so tough that there actually is an extreme circumstance and the player wants to get closer to a family member that might not be doing well or you know something extreme like that but there are also players out there that just don't accept and buy into the program so it's it's a hard kind of slope to die on because you i want to be supportive for college athletes but they're also you know, there's still kids out there that just don't know what hard work is, what they right. should be doing to buy into the program. And, you know, I think that's, you know, you got to get pride to a lot of, you got to get a lot of props to Iowa State because they've done a phenomenal job with getting transfers and sticking with that program and understanding what they need to do to be great. And, you know, look at this last year that they had and that no one thought they were going to be anything and they end up making the Sweet 16. It's just extraordinary. Yeah, and I think, I think my biggest reservation with the transfer portal is that I don't even know the best way to put this. It's like an open door that everybody knows is always there, but you never know what's going to be on the other side of it. And I think a lot of, I think we end up in a situation where there's a lot of kids who just see that open door. They see where they're at right now. And they're like, man, I just, I don't know that I'm, I like this situation, which is perfectly fine. But you go into that door and you have no idea what's going to be on the other side of it. You know, whether that's, you know, you're playing power five basketball and maybe you're sitting on the end of the bench or something like that. And you haven't been able to work yourself into the rotation you go into the portal. Well, then you got to remember too, you haven't been playing. You've got no film. No one knows anything about you because you haven't been playing since you were in high school. Well, now you've got to go and play division two, or you've got to go and play at a really small school at the division one level or something like that. And you don't get any of those amenities that you had before all because you're just like, 
man, I think there's something better out there for me. And that's what worries me is that you see these people that get so, you know, so loose with it that they're like transferred around two or three times or things like that or whatever. And then all of a sudden you're ending up in a situation that's not better for you that you thought was going to be better. The grass isn't always greener type of thing, but I, I hate seeing kids lose opportunities, you know, because they just saw an opportunity or they got some, maybe some bad advice from somebody and get, went into the portal or they had an agent tell them they could go and make NIL money or somewhere else or something like that. Because I just think that's people at the end of the day that puts kids into a position where they can't be successful on some level. Yeah, that's a great point. And I also, you know, to kind of counter that, honestly, the, the, the way I, another way I can see that people kind of support it too is, you know, these college coaches are making so much money nowadays that, you know, this is literally their job for if they have a transfer for them to buy into the program and to stick with the program. If you have a transfer, then it should be on the coach because they're the ones making, you know, millions of dollars. So I do see that counterpoint as well. But also, like you said, there is just so many guys that just don't buy in and they don't, you know, maybe appreciate more what they have currently. And the grass isn't always greener. And, you know, it, it's it's really tough to, you know, just to see because I think, the transfer port, I don't see it going away. I think it's only going to no, be no. more more freedom for these players. But I don't, I don't see either model being correct, honestly. And it, it's hard to kind of find that perfect model in anything you do in college athletics right now. Yeah. So that takes me into another question. They talk now. The conversation or the buzzword is guardrails. We need guardrails on uh, on NIL. Uh, I don't know what effective guardrails there are that would even possibly exist at this point i feel like it's a genie's out of the bottle situation and you're probably not going to get it back in there uh but is there anything in your mind that you think would be fair to players that maybe would not be in a situation where they could put some restrictions on it because i just i just don't think that they could legally probably be able to have anything stand up at the end of the day I just I, I don't know, man. I, it's hard to even see an uh, enforcement of a rule being brought on now that the gates have opened up. I mean, do, do you see anything that could even remotely be OK? Because I honestly I don't know what the answer could be to that question. No. It, and like people talk about, oh, they should put it in a trust or something like that. And like that's that's not the that's not how it should work. You know, no. if someone earns that money, then they should have access to that money at the end of the day. And that that's where I just think that. I don't envy anybody that's in these rooms that has to make these decisions because I think at the end of the day, like most people that work in college athletics are doing, are trying to do the right thing. You know, I don't think that there's that many, there are certainly people surrounding college athletics that I think are out for the wrong reasons. Uh, I think that basketball especially is one of those sports that has a lot of those people that are out there for the wrong, that are trying to do things for the wrong reasons. But I don't think the people in the boardrooms are like trying to be, intentionally malicious towards student athletes like we have to keep our money so we can't give the student athletes opportunities i think it's really hard you know i think that it would be really hard to be in there and be like we have to make these rules because you can see where you say the slippery slope you can see where you can go down a path where this could get really out of control you know and that that's why i don't i don't know what the answer is because and like and when these people are supposed to be some of the smartest people in the world running college uh, running colleges and professors and things like that if they don't know the answer then man we got a real problem you know and that's where when i see people like cory booker who i think is a really smart guy like nothing against cory booker but people like tommy tuberville and stuff like that come in here and start doing this and i'm like man i don't have that much faith in the government a lot of the time anyway so why would i have that much faith that you guys are going to be able to come in and the government's going to step into college athletics and all of a sudden everything's going to be fixed that just doesn't seem realistic to me and it seemed like for a long time there were people that were in the positions of power that were relying on that possibility that they could step in to where then they could bury their hand, their head in the sands a little bit and not just face the reality of what was coming and that's what I think is unfortunate then where you get some of these downsides we've had of these this last year is you went from zero to 100 in literally the in a press release, you know, from from the NCAA. And that to me was just where the NCAA basically went and said, yeah, we can't figure it out. So just like F it, you know, go do what you want to do. And that's I don't know. That's why I think that some of this stuff is just is so annoying because I don't know if there is an answer. I don't know if there is a right answer and you just have to deal with it on some level. Yeah. I think it's, I mean, it's to the point where I think it, it just be treated like a free market. Everything is, you know, fair game. Obviously there needs to be some sort of restriction on, you know, making sure boosters are kind of, 
out of it a little bit. I, I don't know. I'm not a big fan of – I didn't see the NI collectives being – Yeah, I was just, just going to ask you the collective. So that's that's yeah. the other part of it that I think is interesting is so much of it has become what it's not meant to be. I always felt like you went about it the right way doing your podcast. You were doing your T-shirts and things like that. What we do at Cyclone Fanatic with people with T-shirts or having them come to events or, or things like that. And we're not – you know, I don't think that we're generally going to work with people that – haven't earned that on the field and built a brand, you know, become someone that legitimately has, has a brand out there where they can, uh, where they should be able to make money off of that. And not everybody has that, but I feel like right now we're starting to get into a position where brand doesn't matter. None of those things matter. It's just, we got to pay everybody fairly or, or something like that, or have contracts or things to protect the school. And that's just, is like, that's where I sit there. I'm like, this isn't even what this is meant to be. This is not what it was ever intended to be from the beginning. No, and yeah, I think the NI collectives have just kind of taken off and it's not even connected to brand like you're talking about. There's guys that, you know, I, I feel like I did a pretty decent job of kind of building, you know, a fan base around myself through things outside ventures that I was doing off the court and obviously my on-court um, moments that I had. But there's a lot of these guys that are signing stuff and they haven't done anything on the field yet. They haven't proven themselves. You know, they're just getting these big checks and um, are ha- have nothing to prove for it. So I think... I think the market will kind of settle down and kind of figure itself out after this past year and this year ahead. But yeah, it is just a literally wild, wild, wild west right now. Well, I think the perfect example of that is the, is Quinn Ewers, who's going to be the new starting quarterback at Texas, who, you know, from all accounts had signed a million dollar plus deal to go to Ohio state and then transferred to Texas. I would imagine that there was some, probably some pretty significant monetary uh, monetary uh, benefits of doing that as well. The kid literally hasn't thrown a pass in a game in two years. And he's made over seven figures on the fo- from what he can do on the football field. That makes no sense. Like, that just makes no sense whatsoever. What? I, and I don't know. Yeah, they say, yeah, the market will settle down. I guess if that's how we're going to set the – it almost reminds me of – do you remember the – what year was that? That was uh, 20 – I guess it would have been the tw- summer of 2016 when Kevin Durant went to the Warriors and the yep. NBA salary cap exploded and, like, Timothy Mozgov was getting like $40 million a year and things like that. It almost reminds me of that where now people, I, I hope in several years are going to sit down and be like, man, we shouldn't have given Timothy Mozgov $35 million or whatever it was, you know? And, but that also would require uh, some sanity in college athletics, which college athletics just generally never has enough sanity i think yeah yeah i mean sanity has never been not <laughs> yeah. only college athletics to it as a whole but you look at the leadership at ncaa with mark emmer i mean there's just no reasoning behind anything i feel like he's been doing and um i don't know it, it, i think a couple years will help once everything i i do believe the market will settle down i i feel like you're kind of kind of against that but i do think that there's, there has to be some trials out there to kind of just test. He says, this is, a, this is a market that's never been explored before. There's not many markets out there in the world that it's never been explored before. So I think this is one that will have its ups and downs for the next decade or so. And I think revenue sharing will kind of honestly, that might be the evening balance of it all. Once I mean, NIL, we're talking about pennies, honestly, compared mm-hmm. to what might be the potential, potential payout for a lot of these athletes. You know, at the power five, the big time Alabama schools, you know, Georgia football, there's all these schools that could be paying their athletes a lot of money because of what they bring in. So I think that might be the balance beam of it all, but we're just got to see that. I don't think there's an answer right now, right now. The thing that was really fun to me when NIL was first starting was the idea of seeing, of watching young people build their brands and, and build what they wanted it to be and what they wanted it to look like for so long, the schools were the only ones who had control of those things. They were the ones who picked who was going to go and do the interviews. They were going to ones who were going to pick and have them be in the videos on Twitter, or do all those other things and be that front facing person of the program. And, and NIL in my mind, opened the door for all those, for all those young people to go and do those things themselves and put their personalities on display, however they wanted to. And that I just I'm sure that that has happened on on some level, but it feels like that could go to another level. That's what I'm excited for is just seeing people be able to build their brands and see what they want to do with it, because anyone can do whatever they want to do with it. You know, and it doesn't have to be held to the restriction of a school or held to whatever uh, rules are out there like that. Just I think that will be cool to watch people be able to do that and see the creativity of it. 
Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of, you know, with social media obviously taking out with TikTok and, you know, Twitter being Twitter, you know, Instagram blowing up as well. There's so much opportunity out there for, you know, I, I don't even, I don't even see it as a sports thing. Honestly, I see it just as a, you know, content. It's just life. Thing. Yeah, exactly. it's just life thing. Yeah. 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 They're learning about just different ventures off the, off the court and off the field that they can use for the rest of their lives with just building a brand for themselves. And you know, a lot of these athletes aren't going to, you know, they're going to make good money with nil maybe but it's it's the brand that you continue to build through your years in college that's going to set you up for your life and i think once these athletes understand that that it's going to be a lot more rewarding for them to you know kind of bite the bullet on some of these you know they have they don't have to do every single nil contract they they do just to kill their brand that they can just keep building through the years and it doesn't have to be through sports it's an off the court thing and the the other piece of this conversation that i wanted to get your opinion on uh, is UCLA and USC deciding to or going to join the Big Ten uh, and and that league going uh, up to sixteen schools? As a former Big Ten athlete, what would uh, what would be your appetite for a trip to uh, Westwood, California, in mid January? I mean, you th- think about you just traveling from Iowa, cold winter. You go into California and it's eighty degrees, sunny. It sounds a lot I, better than State College, Pennsylvania. I'll say that. <laughs> right. That's what's so crazy though. You look at the Big Ten now. You know, the Big 12 is pretty chaotic too, but, you know, the the travel, you go from Penn State to USC on the same week. You know, I don't know what the schedule is going to look like for football, but, you know, basketball, you're going to play two games in a in a week. So there's going to mm-hmm. be – you have two away games. I think it's, it's going to be fun. Big 10 was really smart to make that decision to, you know, add them. I think we're going to see a couple of conferences just kind of build them – their brands up and we're going to see instead of power five, we're going to have two or three power conferences that are just going to take over for, uh, all these major sports. I am, I am interested to see how much UCLA loves their decision to join the big, uh, the big 10 when they've got a, a Thursday night, Sunday night, double header in Rutgers and Maryland. Like that just, I, and that's where I, I feel bad too, for all the Olympic athletes, the people who don't fly on private jet or charter jets and things like to, to their games they just have to fly commercial and you're going to be riding buses and all that kind of stuff like that sounds horrible man i I feel bad for those uh for those athletes especially the ones that you know like with women's soccer things like that i I guess i don't know what the level of competition is like in the big 10 but you know softball baseball like i would think that those ones especially they're looking at it and they're like man i could have been playing in arizona for however many times and now i got to go and play ohio state you know that doesn't sound near as near as fun no, I, I'm curious to see what they do for like, is there going to be traveling implications on these schools on they can only play, you know, USC and UCLA one time, or is there a home away? Like it's going to like the next five years. I'm excited, man. Like hopefully, you know, this podcast continues to take mm-hmm. off and we share a lot of moments with us, or the viewers that are watching us and listening to us, because I think there's going to be so much explosion in sports and college, per, you know, it's per, specifically that it's going to be fun to talk about and just to live through what they're going through. Let me ask you this. I didn't have you prepared for this, but I got a question for you. You got four schools. You got four more spots to get the big 10 to 20 schools. Who are the four schools that Jordan Bohannon wants to see in the big 10 for the four schools? Yeah. To get it up to 20. I want to see Iowa state's number one. I want to see Iowa state in the big 10. I think it's, it has to happen that Iowa and Iowa State are are together in the same conference. It's okay. You can admit your pandering just to get everybody to like you. I'm not. I honestly think it's great. I think it's great to play yeah. more rivalry games. It's great for the sport. It's great for the schools. Um, Iowa State's one. Notre Dame is a no-brainer. Notre Dame, I think, is will join the Big Ten at some point. The other two, man, I don't know. I think there's a lot of options out there. It just depends on what, what route you want to go on money-making-wise or – just rivalry, right? There's there's so many different options that I think Oregon and Washington well. would be good because they would be yeah. natural partners for UCLA and USC. Then, yeah, I I don't know. I just I I find it hard to believe that they would leave like Stanford and schools like that out in the cold then too. But obviously, I we're being realistic. Iowa State probably would not even even be in the conversation, so that's where it would be a little bit different. But I just I think that would make for more and more fun games if you had schools like Iowa State or even like Kansas. Like mm-hmm. if you could get, uh, you know, Michigan State and Illinois and all those schools, Iowa going down to Kansas every year, like that would be incredible. 
that would be it would make it so much fun and obviously it would not be very fun and on the football field which is why kansas would never get invited to join the big 10 but i i think honestly one of the best things that could ever happen is there's eventually a world where the you know top 65 or whatever like that just break away and go and create their own thing and then they regionalize it you know and break it up into divisions almost like what the nfl or major league baseball or the nba has where you know in a given football season you're going to play six division opponents two crossover opponents and a couple of whatever or however you want to work it out and it's like iowa state is playing iowa nebraska minnesota wisconsin northwestern and somebody else you know and you break it up that way and that i think would make college athletics way more fun and do it all across the country where it's all regional rivalries it's all people that you know you could know a badgers fan from right down the street or something like that and it's not just a bunch of patchwork schools playing against each other that have no affiliation to each other except for the league that they're in despite being clear across the country from each other yeah, and there's no I feel like there's no affiliation anymore with these conferences. Like the Big Ten is no longer a Midwest conference. You know, you just go down the line on these conferences, they're just been expanding um to bigger conferences. And I mean the Big Ten, there's what, fourteen teams? It doesn't even it doesn't even make sense. The Big right. Ten, the Big Fourteen now, the Big Twelve. I don't even is there twelve in the Big Ten or uh in the Big Ten? Uh, there will be. There will be after uh the new four come in in Texas and Oklahoma League. Yep. But there will yeah. be there's only ten right now. Yeah. So like I mean the whole thing is bizarre. I think everything it's it's you just look at the names. It's the same thing as what we were just talking about, the revenue sharing and everything. It's knocking on the walls with breaker with the breaking away from all these conferences. So I don't know, man. It, it's I, I'm excited. I can't wait to see what happens in the next couple of years. This is another random question that came up while we were talking about this. Wait, I do want to tell you. I, no, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. You, Sorry, I was kind of going on a tangent. No, Sorry. No, I just I just remember this. You just you just said Nebraska, and I, we were just talking about before the show that we weren't, weren't going to talk about college football. But dude, I have to. I, we have to talk about Nebraska, right? Man, dude, like, this is. I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest <laughs> with you. You're gonna judge me here for a second. Uh. So I grew up a Nebraska fan. My mom and dad oh, are season no. ticket holders uh, oh, no. to, to games in Lincoln. So this, I'm I'm ready for this conversation. I I guarantee I'm not going to say what you expect me to say. So, uh, no, I'm all for it. Uh, I am 100% out on Scott Frost as a halfway Nebraska fan. I'm not a real Nebraska fan anymore. I hardly can follow what they're doing because I'm I'm too busy with what I, I do otherwise. But man, what he has done with that program has been. It may, it's honestly sad, I think, as a college football fan to see how far they've fallen. And I know everybody else loves to laugh about it and things like that. But, man, I think back to, like, the late 2000s when Nebraska was pretty good with Ndamukong Sue and Taylor Martinez and those guys and, like, how much fun their games were on a given week. And to not have that anymore, I think, it just, like, takes a piece of the sport out because of what their role is in the sports history and – it just makes it a little less fun, but I know everybody else loves to watch them lose. So, I, and I can I can understand why. I, I, I'm I'm curious to see your thoughts on this. What like how did you go to first off the first first part of the question? Did you yeah. used to go to Nebraska games growing up? Oh yeah, I grew up. Uh, I went every week, dude. Like for my so you entire went every life, single home game. Oh yeah, yeah. For okay. my entire life, I've basically been going to college football games every Saturday in the fall. So. Okay. Yeah, so, and I, but like it was like our family thing. Like my mom went to school there. My sister graduated from there a couple of years ago. So it's kind of a, you know, it's just in the blood. Kind yeah, of. I didn't know if it was like a seasonal thing. You just went to one game, but every that's got to be tough. I, I'm just, I'm just curious, like how do they they sell out every game? How is that possible? They they just have that passion of a fan base. Well, they do. They do cheat. A little bit. So they, all the boosters like buy off the tickets. and Yeah. And there's uh, been a handful of times where I think they went into the week and there were, I mean, I think even last year, there maybe was a couple of times where they were really worried that it was going to end. And then they created a program, which is, a, and don't get me wrong. This is a cool program. I'm not making fun of it, but it, it also is ridiculous how they've done it with the, the sellout streak. It's not hardly even real, but the boosters, their big boosters will buy all of the remaining tickets and then they'll donate them to, inner city schools in Omaha and Lincoln, which is oh, cool. That's like yeah, that, that's, awesome. that's really cool because I'm sure that that creates a lot of opportunities for young people who would never have a chance to go to a Nebraska game to do that. But yeah. at the same time, then you can't call it a sellout. I feel like when you've got to donate the, the tickets to kids at schools, Okay, well, you made it really awkward for me because I was gonna make fun of that, and now it's it's not even something it's to poke. Cool. You can't even make fun of it. Like it's one of those things. Like it's so ridiculous, and you and knowing the reasoning behind it it's really ridiculous but then it's like man okay i guess if they're gonna do something dumb like at least make it 
to where somebody is benefiting from it you know yeah no that's cool that they do that i didn't, I didn't even know that so I, that's really really special that they do that yeah i think they just started that uh last year but before i mean you know up until these last couple of years and the thing is too like the experience of going to college football games i just don't think is something that is that people have an appetite that for that maybe they did 25 or 30 years ago at the end of the day because obviously now everybody every game is on tv you can watch it from your comfort of your home you don't have to worry about other people and as someone who sat in the seats the seats at, at memorial stadium they're small as hell you're cramped in with a bunch of people and you sit there the entire time and you're like man i could be sitting on my couch drinking a beer and not dealing with all of these people right now and probably have a better view of the game too so it's always fun to be part of the atmosphere but it's also not that fun to just be at a college football game is in 2022 is what it maybe was a handful of years ago you did bring up a good point about the appetite for sports i think it's it's weird that you brought that up because i was just thinking about that the other day that you know, there's still passionate fan bases out there, but I mean, I'm th- even thinking back to high school games. Like I remember my oldest brother playing, you know, high school basketball, and the, the place was, you know, sold out. They were only letting people in then when they were walking out the store. And now there's like no one at high school games. I feel like that there used to be. Um, I know we we're going to touch on the the football game at, at Kinnick too, but I just I just think there's just not them. I don't know. Is sports dying from a viewing standpoint or is it social media just taking over so much that people just rather watch on their phones or follow it on Twitter? Yeah. I think that there's just so many more entertainment op- like options than there ever was before. And, you know, as someone who lives in Des Moines, like I have no affiliation to any of the high schools, you know, so I have no appetite on a Friday night to go and watch high school football, but however many years ago, what you're either going to do, what sit and watch TV or you're going to go to the high school football game you know, and you don't really have any other choice. So I think that probably plays a role in it. I think too, you know, like I remember when I played at the state basketball tournament and you would go to, you'd go to a 1A game and it's packed. And then Mm -hmm. you go to a 4A game and it's like half full. And you sit there and you're like, man, how is there not more appetite for that? And maybe that's just people aren't, don't have the same level of pride in it. I don't know if people maybe don't feel as affiliated to it or connected to it, or I don't know what the deal is like it, but you're definitely right. I think that that's, you can look at colleges across the country too. And they're the same way. How many different schools out there can't put people in the seats? USC yeah. and UCLA can't put people in the seats. You know, Even it, Iowa basketball too. I mean, if I know Iowa state always rats on Iowa for not, you know, feeling that, I mean, yes, it, it is, it is a bigger arena. I mean, 15,000, but you look at Iowa state, they, they sell out their basketball games every single game. Well, so you, know, you know, in Iowa, they give people the free pizza to get in, don't they? In the, <laughs> in the student section sometimes. They did do that last last year. I do remember that. They did something. I can't think of it was pizza or t-shirts. Dude, I don't know. I, I think it's like even even before I got to Iowa and I don't know, man. I just I don't know. Like I, I think TV is a big part of it. You're right. That there's just more options for entertainment and just rather sit on your, your couch and watch it. But there's just something about going to a sporting event. I mean, prices too, honestly, it might be yeah. tickets prices too, but I, 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 do think, I think even from my own perspective, and I've always wondered if it – I've thought about this before, and I'm glad you brought it up because I've always wondered if it – I felt this way because I've been so close to athletics now for long enough that you almost become numb to it or you, like, uh, just get tired of it. It feels like work, so you just don't really care that much anymore. But I'm a lot less passionate about sports than I was when I was younger and I obviously when you're younger, you don't have near as many things to worry about. So it's a lot easier to worry about trivial things, but even now, like my appetite to watch any random college football game or to watch, uh, you know, we're on a Saturday if Iowa state's not playing and Nebraska is, and my mom and dad ask if I want to go to the game. I'm like, man, I go to a college football game every week. Like I'm good. This is my one week that I don't have to go to one. I'm probably just going to show, you know, and that to me is where I don't know if a lot of other people are that way, but I I just don't feel as passionate about it as I ever did before. But I think I'm maybe too close to it at this point. I'm just used to being jaded about yeah. college or just <laughs> athletics in general. You get around enough people and spend enough time around some of these people, man, and you start to be like, man, this this stuff can be kind of stupid sometimes. And that, yeah. that's where I like I'm not going to make fun of fans because I love fans like the people that are so fanatical about it to care that much about something that you have no control over i don't know if that's impressive or if it's sad sometimes but like yeah it's cool to like that's where sports is cool is when you have those people that care that much and then things can pay off for them and how 
important it is to them and they can have those great moments like that's that's pretty special you know and that's like the one special side of sports and i i wish that sometimes i could feel that again because i just yeah. i don't think i can anymore yeah well i was the same i mean i remember playing you know these last five six years at iowa that i didn't i i don't think i went to two football games of three football games maybe of all those years and i don't know i just was more inclined just to sit we normally did have practice like either right before the game or halftime, but I would always go, go back to my apartment and just watch it on my TV. I just think it was more, it was fun, more, more fun that way. Just being with friends and watching around the TV and not worrying, have to worry about some fans screaming in your ear. That is, it is great seeing that, but at the end of the day, it's more chill just to relax and watch it and, you know, be on your phone and maybe sports better or something. Right. One thing I, well, yes, definitely <laughs> that. Uh, one thing I did think was really cool. You, you mentioned it before was the football game last week uh, at Kinnick stadium between uh, Iowa city high and, uh, and Liberty. And it, I saw some highlights, man. The atmosphere in there sounded amazing. It was great. It was oh awesome. yeah. Incredible. And I was, how do we get this done more? That's what I want to know. How do we play more games like this in these huge venues where, because imagine the thrill that is for those, for those athletes. Like I just, I can't even, I, I'll never forget the first time I walked into Wells Fargo arena and you see how big the place is. And you're like, yeah. Holy cow, man. Like you're on the biggest stage. Like I can't even imagine what it's like for a high school football player to walk out on the field at Kinnick stadium and know, like, even though there's not going to be 60,000 or 70,000 people in here tonight, it's still going to be loud and it's going to be rocking and everybody's going to be excited and we get to play on this big field with all this with all these people around that's so cool man that i hope we can figure out a way to do that more often yeah you literally touched on everything i was about to say i mean you even said it earlier about wells fargo playing at the state tournament and watching these 1a schools pack the arena i think it's great for high school sports to do stuff like that because that like exactly what you just said all these athletes are saying like oh my gosh this is what i could be potentially this is my dream of playing here. And they, they one get that accomplished and two, maybe even provide some more motivation for them to get to that level. I think it's just fabulous for the sport. And it was really cool. I, I honestly wish I would have went to the game just to see the atmosphere yeah. because it, it looked awesome. Yeah. I think it would be really cool if we could figure out a way to get it where it's like, they're going to play, you know, bring in the best, a couple of the best teams from Des Moines or something like that. And then a couple of the best teams from the East side of the state, and then they're going to play at Kinnick Stadium and you have like four games in a row and they're all going to be on TV. Like yeah. that would be so cool, you know, yeah. and I don't know. That would probably be tough to to put all of those moving pieces together. But I can I feel confident that if someone was going to be able to put the infrastructure in place, you know, that administrators and coaches like they would jump at that opportunity to be able to do that for their their student athletes. I don't know. I yeah. think that that would be that would be super cool to do like a whole Iowa high school football showcase and have it on Channel 13 or something like that, where people across the state can watch the best teams in the state all go head to head on on the big field at Kinnick Stadium. Even if it's like the small schools, I, I mean, I love small town Iowa. I think it's what makes Iowa so great. And these fans, you know, that are a part of the school and their community, they are so passionate about, you know, wanting their community to be great and grow great kids into the state of Iowa. So I think even just like small teams, like being a part of that, I mean, you just talked about 1A schools, they, they'll they show out the state tournament for Wells Fargo and pack the arena. And I think, it, I mean, anytime you can get small town Iowa teams involved, I think that's more beneficial for, I mean, yeah, Iowa City West and, you know, Iowa City High, Liberty, all these Iowa City schools playing there. But the more I feel like the more we can keep up, up bringing these small town Iowa teams, I think it's more beneficial for the state as a whole, too. I don't know what class North Lynn is in football, but they need to play like Van Meter or something. Yeah. <laughs> Get like a small town, like a, I don't even know, like a very small town in Western Iowa and bring them all the way over to the east side. There'd be like a convoy of just trucks just going through Highway 20 all the way through to Cedar Rapids, Iowa City area. Yeah, that would be that would be pretty unbelievable, man. Yeah, that I don't know. I I feel like we got to figure out a way to do that. I. I wish they could do it in Ames. I understand why they wouldn't, though, with the, the natural grass. Uh, don't want to tear it up. And obviously having the turf in Iowa City and, and Cedar Falls would be would be uh, crucial for that, especially you're going to play a couple of games. But, no, I, I think that was so cool. I've, they got to figure out a way to do that again. And yeah. Shout out to my guy, Mitch Moore, who's the head coach at Iowa City High. He used to work at Iowa State and was a coach in this area for a long time. He's He's been a 
great coach out there at Iowa City High. They're going to have a really good team uh, again this year. Um, all right, last thing that we want to talk about. We're going to do some of the – we're going to do this every week where we're going to have some uh, different kind of stories. They might be off the wall. Most of the time we're going to try and keep them to Iowa uh, as much as we can. Uh, this one – this week we we talked about maybe doing I don't know what did we call it what did you have it written on as the idiot of the week or something yeah, like yeah. that have like yeah or dumbass dumb of the week yeah 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 uh, this guy is our inaugural dumbass of the week um, this story is in the Sacramento Bee I'm not 100 percent sure why the Sacramento Bee is covering crime in Iowa but uh, apparently they were uh, this past week uh, this is from that that story. Uh, quote, a dad told police he drank 12 twisted tea alcoholic beverages at a friend's house before driving with his four-year-old daughter, according to police in Iowa. When a 32-year-old, two-year-old man got a traffic signal in Des Moines, police say he passed, got to a traffic signal in Des Moines, police say he passed out. Uh, first things first, do not drink and drive, especially when you have your four-year-old child in the car. If you're out there listening and you have a four-year-old kid and I ever hear that you were driving after drinking 12 twisted teas, that's a... That's a significant concern. Uh, that's the the first part of this entire situation. But uh, continuing on, it says officers were called to the stoplight at about 10 p.m. Sunday, August 14th, and it took them several minutes to wake him up. According to a Des Moines police report, the Jeep Liberty SUV was in drive and the keys were in the ignition. The four-year-old girl was unbuckled and not in a child safety seat, police said. Uh, they woke him up, and the guy said the man admitted to drinking 12 hard iced tea drinks – and he said he was a five on an intoxication scale of one to 10. He said he could feel the effects of the alcohol. Uh, I don't know about you. I think after 12 twisted teas, one, I most certainly would be able to feel the effects of the alcohol, I think. Uh, but two, a five, is, are we impressed or, are, or do we need to get old buddy some help? Like, I, I think I, that there's some significant concerns here. I, I drink 12 twisted teas. I don't even think like, first of all, don't ever drink and drive. This, I mean, this is not funny, but it's funny, but I don't even think if I had 12 twisted teas, dude, I don't even think I could put the key in that ignition. No, I don't even think it's possible for me to start no. the car. That's an unbelievable. That's so much twisted tea. And I don't, <laughs> I've never seen twisted teas that come in like normal sized cans. No, it's no. always the big, uh, the silos, you yeah. know, 25 ounces or something like that. That's he had to have drank like, I mean, well over 150 ounces of alcohol in the one best thing, The best thing is like, it's like the, like you're with your friends, like talking about how drunk you are. You're like, oh, I'm, I'm fine. I'm just a five out of 10. And you're just absolutely blitzed. Like you have no idea what's going on. Like I can just totally imagine that guy saying that. So oh, I'm fine. I'm just a five. And the kid probably crying in the backseat. The officer, I don't even know. The officers had to be laughing. Like obviously it's child um, endangerment. Like it's I was not say, funny. It's child endangerment. Yeah. yeah. So not very funny, but at the same time, yeah, it is like it. it Thank God no one was hurt. Like, right. it's, Thank it's God not, no one was hurt. Yeah, it's Thank not God funny. No like, now hindsight 2020 that no one got hurt and the child is safe. But man, it, it, I, don't, I don't even know what to say to this. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That 12? man has done 12? It, 12. Yeah, 12. What'd you say after twisted, 10? Let well, me get two and more. <laughs> and 12 is such a, a specific number, too. Like, was my man <laughs> counting them? You know, and that like that's what I don't understand. I don't if I'm gonna start drinking 12 of anything, I'm not counting them. No. At that point, I don't wanna know. You know, I don't want to know how much I've had. So the fact that he was so specific with he had 12 twisted teas, that to me is th- this guy has some like yeah, I don't know, he's got some significant things that he needs to work out because there's no if you're counting to 12 twisted teas and you stayed sober too sober for having had 12 twisted teeth that's my personal opinion and hey there's nothing wrong having 12 but just don't get in the, the damn car yeah. that's that's what it comes don't get in to. the car and and just like hope that someone else can take care of your kid yeah that, that Wait, would... yeah why was the kid with him when he had 12 that, that's what the most bizarre thing is yeah all right there's one other story here that i did want to talk about really quick uh the headline is oklahoma man allegedly killed fishing partner over bigfoot fears uh <laughs> An Oklahoma, Oklahoma man <laughs> accused of killing his fishing partner over the weekend allegedly told police he carried out the murder after the victim, victim summoned Bigfoot. Uh, Larry Sanders is charged with the murder of Jimmy Knighton while the two were noodling near Ada, Oklahoma on Saturday. Noodling, you know what, wait. Do you know what noodling is? No, what's noodling? All right, so this is – I'm not 100% sure on this, but I'm like 95% sure that noodling is when you go to a river or something like that and try and put your hand in catfish – holes 
at the bottom oh, of the river God. and pull a catfish out of the water like that. Uh, I've never seen it done. I know people who have done it. I'm not 100% sure that it's legal to begin with. Uh, but that's a, it's kind of like a, kind of wouldn't, a badass crazy way wait, to be wouldn't fishing, that be, wait wouldn't that be don't, don't cash it like nip at your hands or something oh yeah no yeah, yeah that's why it's like super dangerous i think yeah. that they could bite your hand off or like significantly injure you so this is one of those things that you know obviously i'll, I'll pass on that way to fish yeah serious concerns that. already to start with uh the bizarre incident unfolded on july 9th after sanders and knight and got into a physical dispute while the pair were fishing the south canadian river uh yeah uh where's it at Officials said Sanders confessed to a relative to carrying out night, night and slaying. Uh, the two men were friends. Sni Sanders ultimately turned himself. Gosh, man, where's the best part of this story at? I can't find it. Oh, <laughs> uh, authorities who suspect Sanders was intoxicated at the time of the alleged killing uh, haven't released a specific motive. Under questioning, however, Sanders allegedly rambled about Bigfoot. Uh, his statement was that Mr. Knighton had summoned Bigfoot to come and kill him. That's why oh he had to kill gosh. Mr. Knighton. That is... Uh, how okay so now they know that we know he was under the influence of something do you think he had more or less than 12 twisted t's while he was noodling before he killed his friend because his friend summoned bigfoot i think buddy was on something more than alcohol he yeah, yeah, he was tripping shrooms or something yeah that's probably fair oh yeah i just saw this guy's picture 100 percent yeah that's we, not is a, it possible to pull it up or no oh uh, yeah it's on the google doc you can pull it up on there it's oh, like my. Oh, yeah. yeah, I see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah uh, he, that, that does not look like a guy who was just drinking some twisted no, tea. No, he got a hold of some hard, hard stuff. Yeah, those are our two idiots of the week. The Oklahoma man who killed his friend over Bigfoot and then the guy who got so drunk that he passed out with his four-year-old in the car. Uh, all right, man. Anything else that you want to touch on before we uh, wrap this thing up? I don't think so. Um, yeah, it was good. I, I'm, I'm excited, man. I think this is going to be great. You know, I think we have a great connection in, you know, Iowa, Iowa State – Regardless, I think it's worth listening to, and I'm excited for what's in the future. For sure, man. I'm right there with you. I'm looking forward to to doing this and and growing it and and figuring out exactly uh, what the best way for us to do this is and how we can be a, a good team. I'm looking forward yeah. to it. So. And that's, that's the that's the best thing. Like we're obviously we're not perfect, but I think I think the more we do this, the more we get after it, the more we um, get to know each other, the better this is going to be. So hopefully, we have a lot of people that stick around and make this a weekly home for them. If you've got any questions or got any questions, suggestions, things you want us to talk about in the future, you can always tweet at us. I'm at Jared Stansbury. I don't know what your Twitter handle is. Jordan Bohannon three. I don't even know. Yeah, just look him up. Yeah, you'll find him. <laughs> I'm he, not on not Twitter that of, much like I used to be. <laughs> he, he, he's not too hard to find. I'm sure you'll be able to find him. But you can send those things our way, uh, and we'll get to him uh, in the future. So thanks everybody for listening. We'll talk to you guys again soon. Iowa everywhere.